You're listening to the Living Word Church podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're finishing up our series, How Are You Really? All right, now, if anyone here in the room uh, ends up on autopilot when you're driving, just raise your hand real quick. You kind of just autopilot yourself somewhere, you know. This happens to me all the time. Recently, I'm driving with my wife, and we're supposed to be going one direction, we're going another. She says, where are you going? I said, I have no idea. It happens all the time. She says, Doug, what do you do when I'm not in the car? I end up in the wrong place a lot. Um, recently, I had a day where it was so crazy scheduled out. Like, I had every little piece, right? I had literally wrote a note of how much time I could spend in each spot because it was just that crazy a day. And so I had a certain time allotted to be at the grocery store and um, there I was driving clear on past it, autopilot on my way to church. It's just the way I think we are. And the same is true with how we interact with one another too. When somebody says, how are you? We always say, good. We say, good. Right? That's sort of the autopilot response. I'm doing good. And the truth is, as we've seen in this series, many of us are just not good. It doesn't mean God's not good. It doesn't mean we can't be good in him in a day's time, find that joy and that peace that he gives. But many of us, we just aren't honest about how we actually are. So here in the series, we've been talking about how we do that with one another and with God. We've seen that we've got to be real with one another so that we can provide comfort to one another for the things that we go through. And we've also seen that we've got to be real with God. We've got to take the filter out. I hope you still, how many of you guys have your filter in your pocket? Anybody? Oh, wow, I am actually astonished. So many of you still have the filter in your pocket. Last week, my friend Anika over here came up and she had two filters and she had two stones that we'd given out on Easter as her takeaways. And I said, how do you have four? She said, I stole Mel's. So she's got her husband's stuff. She said, I want a whole pocket full of Jesus, right? And so I'm super impressed. So many of you guys still hung on to your filter. And last week we saw take the filter out in our relationship with God and in the way that we talk to God, not in a disrespectful way, but remove the filter that keeps us from saying, this is how I am really. God, I'm sad. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm struggling, right? Just being real with God. Real with one another. Remember that you have comfort to give to somebody. You are a comfort dispenser, and you are also someone who needs a comfort dispenser in your life, and that's why we gotta be real with one another and real with God. And this series is so important because emotional health is huge. Spiritual health is huge. How is your heart? How is your soul? How is your relationship with God? Who are you real with about this? And again, I've said this a few times, but this doesn't mean we have to never just kind of give the pat, quit answer of good or okay, right? I'm not saying every person we see in the hallway today, we have to tell them everything in our life, but who's that trusted follower of Jesus that knows how you really are, and are you telling God how you really are? Such a big deal. We've got people struggling with anxiety more than ever, depression more than ever, wrestling with numbing out, wrestling even maybe with just should I take my life? Man, somebody has to know that those thoughts are going through your head. Somebody's got to walk with you through that. God's got to walk with you through that. And so I pray that you've been encouraged in this series. But as I thought about the question, how are you really? I thought about the answer I get second most to good, okay? A lot of people just say, I'm good right? But there's a second answer that I hear so frequently. Does anybody have a guess on what it is? Fine, tired, okay, not bad, okay. So here's the word, busy, busy, right? Everybody, right? How are you? You either get good or busy or sometimes you get good but busy, 
right? You're like, wait, that's cheating, okay? You can't use both of the fake number one answers, okay? But I think that busy is an actual real answer that we often give. Okay? There is an anecdote about a woman from another culture who came to America and she began to introduce herself as busy to everyone because every interaction she had, how you doing? Busy. Who are you? Oh, I'm doing good, but I'm busy. You know? So she literally started to walk around and go, hey, I'm busy. I'm busy. How are you? I'm busy. And that's life, isn't it? That's where so many of us find ourselves. Listen to me. You may be saying, Doug, we're talking about being busy in church today. Listen, some of us, I would even say most of us, are so busy, our emotional and spiritual health don't stand a chance. Everybody say, my schedule is spiritual. I don't know if you thought about that. Your schedule is spiritual. And we're going to see today how true that is. As busyness creeps in, we are distracted from so many of the most important things in life. And I just think we have a little more say than we realize when it comes to our schedules and our busyness. If you're somebody who's younger in the room, man, I pray that you'll file some of this away and apply it as you get busier and busier in life. Because the busyness and the craziness, especially of the Long Island culture, like it's its own beast, is so debilitating on so many levels. I think some of us are so busy our marriage doesn't stand a chance. Some of us are so busy our relationship with Jesus doesn't stand a chance. Some of us are so busy we're just miserable. Our schedule is spiritual. Verywellmind.com says busyness can lead to anxiousness, being stressed, being overwhelmed, inadequate, feeling sad, frustrated, angry, lonely, hopeless, incompetent, and guilty. Fatigue, let's talk about fatigue for a second. The Better Health Channel says fatigue causes chronic tiredness or sleepiness, headache, dizziness, aching muscles, muscle weakness, slow, slowed reflexes and responses, impaired decision-making and judgment, moodiness, irritability, impaired hand-to-eye coordination. That's why I didn't become a professional baseball player, I guess. Uh, appetite loss, I don't struggle with that one. Uh, reduced immune system function, blurry vision, short-term memory problems, poor concentration, hallucinations, reduced ability to pay attention and low motivation. Okay, raise your hand if you think God has better that than that for his kids, right? Don't you think God has better than that for all of us? In his book, Crazy Busy, which is a great book I recommend you guys reading in all your spare time, Kevin DeYoung tells about the three dangers of busyness. He says, busyness can ruin our joy, rob our hearts, and cover up the rot in our souls. And then he goes on to say this, I can think of several moments in just the past couple of months when I muttered to myself, what am I doing? How do I get myself into this mess? When will I ever get my life under control? How long can I keep this up? Why can't I manage my time? Why did I say yes to this? How did I get so busy? He says, I've bemoaned my poor planning and poor decision making. I've complained about my schedule. I've put in slipshod work because there wasn't time for any other kind. I've missed too many quiet times and been too impatient with my kids. I've taken my wife for granted and fed important relationships with leftovers. I've been too busy to pursue God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, I've likely been just like you. Raise your hand if you think God has better than that for his kids, right? I think this is so important. Everybody say, my schedule is spiritual. It is so important. I think our schedules and our busyness are one of the great killers of our souls. If you're not a follower of Jesus, did you know that Jesus cares about this stuff? He cares about your schedule. 
You're like, oh, I thought he just cared about, you know, the big stuff, salvation and all that. Well, that's huge, and you're going to hear about that today and the love Jesus has for you. But he cares about the little stuff. He cares about your, your day, this, your, your week. He cares about tomorrow. He cares about how you'll spend the rest of your week. He cares that you're rested. He cares that you're healthy. He cares that your soul is nourished. He wants to spend time with you. So we're going to dive into this today, and I really pray we'll take it seriously. Again, if I'm coming to church and I hear we're talking about busyness, I don't know that I'm all excited about that message. But in this last season of my life, it's something God has been teaching me so much about. And it, I just see it as having such a weight on my overall emotional and spiritual health. Who I can be for you depends on how I schedule my time. Who I can be for my wife and kids depends on how I schedule my time, how crazy busy I am. Who I am uh, in my relationship with Jesus, my time with him, it all comes back to this. So I think this is a really big deal. Somebody once said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so he comes after us with, oh, here's this temptation, here's that temptation. And we fall for that once in a while. But I think busyness is the thing that we just don't even see coming that takes us out. And I, again, I'll say it again. I really think if some of us in the room were just to back up on our schedules a little bit, We'd see change in our mood. We'd change, see change in our relationships and our marriages, dating relationships, like friendship. Just you're, you're just different when you have margin boundaries and when you've managed your time. And so we're going to jump into this. We're going to look at one main passage and see how our busyness gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus and learn from somebody who didn't let that happen. And then I'm going to rapid fire some examples of how Jesus lived this out. Because Jesus was the master of boundaries and margin and, and time management. Think about it. He had to save the whole world. He had three and a half years. And somehow he was not hurried he was, he, was, he was always up to something, yet he would remove himself at times, and he'd have time with friends. And Well, we'll see. We'll get into all that. But let's look at Luke 10, verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So you have the picture here, right? Martha has welcomed Jesus. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening. She has pushed busyness aside. She's cleared her schedule. She's hanging on every word Jesus has to say. Oh, that we would become like Mary. That we would learn to push aside the busyness. That we would learn to schedule time to be with him. That we would be just enamored with who he is to the degree that we can hang on every word and not let our schedules and our everything else, all the busyness and the crazy things thrown at us, dictate our relationship with Jesus. Somebody yell out a celebrity that you'd like to spend time with. Go for it. Okay, we'll try that again at the 1130. Anybody? Really? Somebody? Yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Okay, who else? Okay, very good. Who else? Denzel, all right, <laughs> cool. All right, so here's my theory, okay? So you got a lot of you guys know Zach Rozelle. He's like one of the crazy guys in the church, and he always likes to be a wise guy and mess around. This is my theory. He usually comes to the 1130, and so I wrote in my pocket that Zach will say Doug Jansen just because he likes to mess around in that way. So I'm gonna tell you next week if he actually did it because that's my prediction because he's such a wise guy. But, you know, my son Landon loves to ask these questions. Dad, who would you rather hang out with? And then he'll ask me, would you rather hang out with Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans? And I'll tell him, it depends on if I'm hanging out with them or their character. 
Okay, because I'd rather hang out with Captain America over Thor, but I'd rather hang out with Chris Hemsworth over Chris Evans. So this is very deep, okay? Then he'll say, Dad, what about Jacob deGrom or Matt, Max Scherzer? And I'll say, well, I'm pretty sure Max Scherzer is a Terminator and he scares the death out of me. So I'm going to go with Jacob deGrom. So he'll, he loves these questions, you know? But my point is, I think if Jacob deGrom or Chris Evans were to tell me, hey, Friday at noon, be there, man. Here's where we're going to meet. We're going to have some pizza. We're going to talk. We're going to hang. Like, I will do whatever it takes to be there. I will clear the schedule. I will, all the busyness this week could throw at me, I'm there. Now listen, simple but deep truth. You ready? The creator of all things longs to spend time with you. What will it take for us to clear our schedules, to push the busyness aside, and to meet with him? Do you know that he wants to know what's burdening you? He wants to know what's got you up late at night. He wants to know what's making you anxious. He wants, you, he wants to know the requests of your heart, the deep places that you need healing. He wants to know how you need provision. Do you know he wants to speak to you? He wants to tell you more about who he is. He wants to tell you more about who you are because of who he is. He wants to fill you with peace. He wants to bring comfort to your soul. He wants to teach you more about what you might do going forward in life and the way you might navigate certain struggles and temptations and heartache and, and there's this busyness that chokes that out and Mary was like, nope, I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus. Now the problem is, some of us have intended in our heart to be Mary, but the problem is we got a whole bunch of Marthas in our lives, don't we? And some of us are Marthas. I could be Martha a lot. Because Martha's like this, look what it says in Luke 10, 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha is cleaning the table and she's making sure that all of the nice linens are out and she's making sure the toilet paper is reloaded and she's making sure that there's going to be enough food and drink and everything. And she's just distracted. She's just pulled in a million directions, it sounds like you and me. So kids in the room, middle school, high school, some of you even younger, right, Man, you, you're busy. You're, you're already there. You're already living life, man. You've got school and you've got homework and you've got friendships and sports. And maybe some of you are old enough to have like a part-time job or something. And, and you're already kind of feeling like, what do I do? My, my senior son, my, my, my 18-year-old son said to me a few months ago, like, Dad, I'm really struggling just to manage my time. Just feels like there's so many different people kind of trying to pull me in a certain direction. And I said, bud, if I could just give you advice. Just always spend as much time with you as you can with me. No, that's, that's what I want to say. Then we got college students, right? Oh, man, a whole new world. You're probably working a part-time job, and you are taking all these classes, and you got maybe a dating relationship, and there's an apartment to clean. I'm not saying you're going to clean it, but there is an apartment to clean. Um, and so many different pressures, young, adult, you know, young professionals, and you know, maybe some people starting to get into that the, Young married couples, it's like, okay, now I've got a wife. What am I going to do? i got, you know, this relationship. I've got in-laws now. I've got the demands of my job, and there's a boss, and I don't know. There's just so many things happening, and then families, forget it. We're just toast, man. Everybody else, you all think you're busy? Just wait till you have kids, right? It becomes a whole beautiful new world, but it's crazy now. And so there's all kinds of responsibilities. you got to get them to 18 sporting events. Listen, I need to hear this message as much as anybody else. My kids... Two of my kids are playing sports right now. They had seven games between the two of them scheduled this past week. On top of that was the prom and a school concert, okay? So suddenly, we are pulled in a thousand directions. How are Kelly and I going to have a good relationship in the midst of all that if we just let the schedule drive us? 
then talk to retired folks. I talked to a retired friend, and she's over here in this section, I think. She said to me, I'm more busy now than when I used to work. She's going around. She's meeting with people. She's praying for people. She's encouraging people. She, she said, don't come to my house because there's not going to be anybody home. I'm out doing life, being on mission for Jesus. Wow. It's busyness. Busyness. Struggle, don't we? To just sit at the Lord's feet. It says this. Martha's complaining, man. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's going to say, tell slacker Mary to do something. And then it goes on. I love this. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. That describes Long Island culture. Man, we are worried and upset about many things, but few, everybody say few. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Everybody say one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So let's talk about few things, okay? Few things are needed, Jesus says. In other words, I think we should all have a few priorities. Now, there's a lot of great organizations that have a stop doing list. A lot of the leading organizations around the world, they don't just have a to-do list. They have a stop doing list because they know there are things that need to be eliminated so that they can be best at the few things they're supposed to really hit it out of the park with, okay? And often when you see a business or a church um, really start to struggle, it's because they're, they're trying to be good at too many things. What do you need to put on the stop doing list? Let me give you some examples. Uh, maybe for some of you guys, it's consistently overworking. Andy Stanley had this incredible illustration years ago. I haven't forgot it. Probably 10 years ago I heard it. He said, when you come home from work late every night to your family, okay, it's a lot different than when it's once in a while. Once in a while happens for all of us in all of our worlds, right? But, but when you come home once in a while, it's like handing your family a boulder. They can hold it if it's once in a while, okay? But if it's every night, they will be crushed, Okay? So what does that look like? I'm not saying this is an easy thing. I'm not saying, you know, we somehow have the answer. But, but what is the priority? Few things are needed. Maybe buying out vacation days. You know how that works? Like, oh, if you don't take your vacation day, we'll throw you an extra X amount of money. I'm just telling you right now, you need the vacation day. You need the time with family. You need the time. If you're single, just get with some friends. Hang out with some people, right? Be with Jesus. Sit at the Lord's feet. I think of every sport, again, I'm a hypocrite here, but every kid in every sport, every season, you know, like how do we navigate this? And we have, even though this last season was nuts because both Brennan and Cade played baseball, softball, and Cade's on another team as well. Um, we, we've tried to be careful with that. We're like, Brennan, all right, maybe sit this season out. Cade, sit that season out. Lennon, if you could sit this one out and we can get you all kind of rotating, that would be great. We just happen to be a baseball family, so right now it's a little nutty. But man, I, I think just this pattern of, man, how do we just slow the pace because listen our kids actually pay for it i know we think having them in every sport every season every dance recital every you know music competition is good for them and i think it's in balance is good for them so there's a researcher named ellen galinsky she interviewed more than a thousand kids grades three through 12 and she asked them to grade their parents okay now a lot of the parents did really well but there was one area where the parents got C's, D's, and F's, and it was in controlling their temper. And then Professor Brian Kaplan comments on the study saying that kids are, hand, are struggling and, and being uh, exposed to something he calls secondhand stress. Remember secondhand smoke, right? Your grandma would smoke in the house and you're exposed or whatever. 
okay? This new idea, secondhand stress. The crazy thing is, for some of us, the secondhand stress is coming, and again, if you're single or younger, um, and file this away, okay? The secondhand stress is coming from the pace of life. We're all just so tired and cranky. How can we possibly get along in our homes? So I just wonder what that looks like for us. Maybe for some of us, we got to put on the stop doing list. We have to stop filling our schedules so busy that we can't face our pain. Right? Kevin DeYoung talked about the rot in our soul. The busyness keeps us from attending to the rot in our soul. Guys, I have been there, man. The last few years have been so painful. There's times, if I'm honest, I've purposefully scheduled myself out to such a degree that I don't have to really think about some of it. But what does it look like to take a step back and do what we said last week, get real with God? Here's how I am really. Sit at his feet like Mary did. Maybe for us it's saying yes to every, every request. Put that on the stop doing list. Somebody recently said that a leader is at every moment of every day disappointing somebody. I was like, darn, man, that's, I don't like that, but it's probably true, right? Being able to just be okay sometimes with disappointing somebody. Jesus was okay with disappointing people at times because he couldn't be everywhere at every time, and we're going to see that in just a few minutes. Put on the stop doing list, putting all people before the most important people. What do I mean by that? Only I can be dad, uh, dad to my kids and husband to my wife. That's only me. I'm the only one who can do that. And maybe you're married and that's you. Maybe you have kids and that needs to be you. You're, you're the only one that can be husband or wife to your spouse and parent to your kids. If you're single, man, there's maybe somebody in your life. Maybe it's time to reconnect with a, a parent. My dad recently asked me, Doug, will you start meeting me at the gym four times a week. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, but I'll do two. Now, the reason I said two is because I know if I do four times at the gym, I'm just going to be so jacked that none of you will even be able to hang out with me anymore. No, I know that I just don't have time for four days at the gym. So I'll work out maybe the other one-ish at my house. I have a little stuff in the basement I can do. But I love that here's my dad just saying, hey, this would be a cool time to spend together and we're both probably getting better shape and so, like, who is just the, the most important person or some of the most important people? If you say no to others, you can say yes to them. So, so important. Stop putting all people before God. Stop being a slave. This is huge. Everybody young in the room, please. I can't wait for my kids to hear the message later today, okay? Everybody, stop being a slave to your devices, I know you think it's like everything. You, I promise you, especially younger people, it's crazy. I watch how my kids interact with their devices. Like a slave, man, sometimes. Um, I want to give you some beautiful boundaries. I encourage you to take some notes on this, okay? Everybody just, let's remind ourselves. Everybody say, my schedule is spiritual. All right, so this is important, okay? Uh, Kevin, no, not Kevin DeYoung. Jordan Rayner gives us these tips. You ready? You decide when you check your texts and emails, not the other way around. He gave the example. Imagine that the mailman came to your day, uh, came to your door and knocked on the door every single time you got an email. You know what I mean? Like that level of interruption, right? Like choose, like Apple, I don't know about Google and all that stuff, but Apple has made it so easy, thank God, for the focus stuff. If you don't know how to set up your focus groups, talk to someone under the age of 20, but I'll be happy to help you with that too. But you can set it up so, okay, these people can get me at any time, but nobody else can, or everyone can get me at this time, but they can't get me at that time, and they make it so easy, and now you become the boss of your phone. 
You choose when you look at your text. In fact, if some of you are going, well, I have a work text and I have to be on call at certain times. I just heard recently of an app that can take your one phone and basically turn it into two. And so now you can be getting work text. Maybe you can't shut that off, but you can shut everybody else out and check them at your own time. Same with email, right? One pastor took his email off his phone. I thought that was brilliant. I could check my email on my computer, but it's not going off 60,000 times a day, right? Um, I also love that this guy, Jordan Rayner, puts his phone on the other side of the house for several hours during the night when he's hanging out with his family. He, I'm not, I don't do necessarily these other two things, um, but I try to take good breaks from my phone when I'm with my family, but these other two are super challenging to me. I can't say that I do these. He actually puts his phone on the other side of the house, two hours before he goes to bed and doesn't go and get it until two hours after he wakes up. Man, wow, what a, that's a whole different world. Don't these things own us? Like, aren't they in control? Well, that's the Terminator series again. That's twice in one message we referenced that. But man, no, we get to be in control, right? This is a tool. This doesn't own us. This is a tool. Some of us, our lives would be drastically different if we learn how to manage this. So put on the stop doing list. I will stop letting my phone and my emails rule my life. All right, few things are needed. But then Jesus took it a little further, didn't he? He didn't just say few things are needed. And then he, he narrowed it down. He said really one thing is needed. Few things are needed. Let's get those important things worked out. But, but really one thing is needed. He says, what Mary has chosen, sitting at my feet, being in my presence. Maybe some of us, we got to just figure this out. Okay, when am I going to spend good time with God? And I have always told you that if this is God and he's, remember I just said it's not God, but if, if God uh, speaking to us is, is illustrated like this with our, our ear to the phone, right? If God's always trying to get a hold of us and always has something to say or wants us to keep the communication open with him, I probably shouldn't have used the same illustration, but um, we, we need to keep the uh, conversation with God open, the phone line to God open, okay, right, all day, every day. But when is that time where we actually sit at his feet? When is that time we actually just sit and say, all right, Jesus, I am unhurried right now. I'm unrushed. I have pushed aside the busyness to hear you to speak to you, to give you the weights on my heart and to hear your heart back to me. When's the last time we just said, God, do you have anything you want to say to me? And just sat in silence or maybe walked around in silence. You know, we're all wired a little differently. If I sit too long, I, I lose focus quickly. And so for me, I hear God best when I'm walking. I speak to God often best when I'm walking. You can ask our staff, uh, whenever we have staff meeting and we do prayer times every Wednesdays and, and we do several prayer meetings on Wednesdays and I'm always pacing the room like this. Everybody's sitting, Doug's doing circles, right? You're gonna, like Jericho walls are gonna come down or something. Like I'm just going for it. But when is that time of, of waking up and being with God, of you know, maybe going to bed a little later and being with God, taking that lunch break and really sitting at his feet. God, I have 45 minutes of lunch break right now and I'm in this beautiful park by this lake. Speak to me. What do you have to say? Instead of like being on this at the stupid lake, right? It's a lake. See the lake, right? See the trees. Look at the birds. Look at the sky. Be with God. Let him nourish your soul. 
Some of us, we just gotta stop getting asleep so late or waking up so early that we're getting like five, six hours of sleep. D.A. Carson says this, this is important. I think you can read along with me on the screen on this. If you keep burning the candle at both ends, sooner or later you will indulge in more and more mean cynicism. Listen to this line. And the line between cynicism and doubt is a very thin one. Some of us might be struggling in our faith because we're just so tired. Of course, different individuals require different numbers of hours of sleep. Moreover, some cope with a bit of tiredness better than others. Nevertheless, if you are among those who become nasty, cynical, or even full of doubt when you are missing your sleep, you are morally obligated to try to get the sleep you need. We are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied up to our spiritual well-being, to our mental outlook, to our relationships with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes, everybody ready for this? Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. Not pray all night, but sleep. I'm certainly not denying that there may be a place for praying all night. I'm merely insisting that in the normal course of things, spiritual discipline obligates you to get the sleep your body needs. Man, isn't that a gift from God? Hey, go sleep. Go rest. Go eat some food. Go get nourished. Spend time with loved ones. Be refreshed. Few things are needed. Really only one. You know, maybe it's just Netflix, just limiting it. I, I've told you this before. Turn it off so that it doesn't automatically go into the next episode. Right? When are you ever going to get up? You really going to get up? Johnny was stuck on the ledge. Where's Johnny? Get? What's going to happen with Johnny? And Susan's in the cave across the street. How are we going to, right? I don't know how we're going to, I got to see it. And so it just auto plays, right? Just, no, I get to control my device. It doesn't control me. How are you really? Busy. Well, your schedule is spiritual. Okay, so let's look at some rapid fire truths about Jesus here as we're getting close to the end of the message, okay? Rapid fire truths about Jesus, how he managed his time, his schedule. He was the most important person who's ever lived, and yet, he had this under control. And so Jesus is a great example of, of boundaries, of margins, and of time management. So Bill Gator put this list together. Some of you guys might want to jot some of this down. I think, again, it's on the screen. So number one, Jesus accepted his personal limits. He was meeting his personal needs. He ate healthy foods. He got the sleep he needed and even took naps, took time to relax, and did a lot of walking. Number two, he received support from friends. He sought the company of friends. You see that in Matthew 26. Number three, enjoying solitude. He withdrew from the crowds to go away on a retreat alone or with friends. You see that in Mark 1 and Luke 5. Number four, enjoying the moment. And the concept here is this, uh, excuse me, these people, this place, this time. Man, you know how that goes, right? Isn't it so different when that's your mindset? Wait, right here, right now, these people at this time. Not the 17 things I got to do later today or later this week, right? He left one city to go to another because he couldn't be in two places at the same time. Number five, unhurried pace of life. He was never in a hurry except to go to Jerusalem and embrace his cross. We see that in John 11 and Mark 10. Number six, Jesus taught us examples of how to be setting boundaries. Personal prayer time. But when you go pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, Matthew 6. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't pray anywhere else. Like I tell you all the time, we should be praying and keeping the conversation with God open as we go. But the idea is that there is an appropriate time to get by yourself and sit at the feet of Jesus. Everybody say, I'm not Jesus. Everybody say, I'm not the Savior of the world. Okay, raise your hand if you think Jesus is remarkably more qualified to be the Savior of the world than you. Okay, 
man, so we've got to figure this out then. He was always up to something, very purposeful, healing, casting demons out, preaching the word, training up 12 knuckleheads to try to change the world. And yet he went alone and he would get with his father and he would eat and rest and sleep and he'd sleep in the middle of the storm and everybody else was stressing. Man, just such a different way. How are you really? Your schedule is spiritual. Few things are needed. If I were you, maybe all of us, we could do this together this week is just take some time to say, okay, what goes on my stop doing list? And what do I need to get more in the habit of saying no to? Maybe it's a who. Who do I start saying no to? Who do I start putting boundaries up? Is that much more money really worth it? If I'm missing out on relationships with God and all these certain people that are some of the most important people, some of you, only you can be a sister to somebody, a brother to somebody. Some of you can only be a, a child to somebody. I, I, hey, man, I'm at the stage of my life when my kids are getting older and kids graduating, and I'm starting to tell college students, spend as much time with your parents as possible, you know? Like, only you can be a parent to your kid, or, or a kid to your parent, right? Like, like, who are those most important relationships? Let me just address one last thought, and it's this thought, and this challenged me so much because this is the way I've lived my whole life. It's this thought, I just need a vacation, Doug, I don't really need to listen to anything you said today. I'm just gonna, I just need a vacation. If I get a vacation, I will be restored, and I'll be good, and I'll come back. Okay, that's great. Listen, I, m- the way my family normally goes on vacation, we are super chill. A lot of people like to go here, there, and see everything in the world, and that's great. If that's you, that was my mom. That's probably why I am the way I am, because she was so that way. But we relax. We take it easy. We're sitting by the pool. We're playing video games. We're just talking and laughing. And, and I come back, and often I am physically rested. I've had a good time, but many of us are vacationers to the degree that we come back, how's vacation? I need a vacation for my vacation. So your vacation is not the answer, and even if you're a relaxed person, it only takes me like one staff meeting and I'm through the roof again with stress. So obviously the vacation is the answer. The vacation is great, take it, but the vacation isn't the answer. Carrie Newhoff says this, the problem is not how we spend our time off, it's how we spend our time on. A vacation may give us some rest and fun and recharge us a bit, but we often all come back to the same messed up schedule. So our problem is not our time off, it's our time on. Our time on needs rescheduling so that we can make it for the long haul. Man, that really challenged me because that's been my mentality my whole life. Okay, I got a vacation coming in August. Okay, I'm gonna be all right. So I'm gonna be a mess from May through August. I'm gonna be stressed and not sleeping well and cranky with my wife and kids and Annoyed at this person, that person, and no. I'm going to disappoint some people. I'm going to have to schedule myself wisely. I'm going to try to work on the things that I, are most important at the times I'm wired to do them. It's a whole other message, right? Working kind of in that green zone, that time when you are at your best, do the most important things when you're at your best in your workday. That's how you save some energy for your wife, your kids, your friends, your relationship, your dating person, your parents, right? Like, this is just such a different way of doing it. Next week, we're starting a new series called Out of My Control. 
We're gonna talk about some of the things in our lives that are out of our control and what it looks like to surrender those things to God. Listen to me, there is such peace and joy there. It's really based off a time that I have with God where he spoke something so clearly to my, my soul that it's changed everything since that happened several months ago. I'm gonna share about that starting next week. But guys, if we begin to realize that our schedule is spiritual, we might just be saved from some of the anxiousness, stress, overwhelmed uh, feelings, the inadequacies, the sadness, the frustration, uh, the muscle weakness, the blurry vision, the, the low motivation. We might just find that God has better than that for his kids. We might just find renewal in relationships with people that are important in our lives. We might just start to enjoy life more. We might start to feel like we're hearing from God again. Maybe some of that mean cynicism that blurs the line into doubt will be dealt with. I just believe God has better for you and I than all that. So look, some of this is out of our control. Some of this is a phase of, of life, a stage of life. If you're like, I am in a certain stage of life where I just have to make it two months and then everything changes. I'll be, the, the graduate program's over, the, this job shift, they're hiring at work, like whatever it might be, okay? And that's okay. There can be seasons like that. But man, we gotta stop saying it's just a season, it's just a season, it's just a season. I think sometimes that's our excuse. And again, God just has so much better than that for his kids. I believe he wants us to thrive in life, in work, in relationships, and most importantly, our relationship with him. I tell you, I woke up from what felt like a nap, and my kids were 18, almost 16, and almost 14. Some of you guys are like, Doug, I got you beat. That's nothing. My grandkids are eight, you know, 18, 16, 14. It feels quick, doesn't it? I think we just got to figure out how do we make the few things higher and more important and, and, and have the opportunity to really pour into those relationships while we have them. And then lastly, there's, there's one thing, right? There's a few things, but there's really one thing. Somebody once wrote a book, Too Busy Not to Pray. That book can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Martin Luther talked about the busier he was, the more he needed to pray. And that's so true. What does it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus? What does it look like to push the busyness aside? for the sake of our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Your schedule is spiritual. If you're not a follower of Jesus, do you see how much God cares? Do you see the gifts of rest and food and friendship and relationship he gives us? Most importantly, Jesus gave his life for you and I. He died on the cross. He was crucified that we'd be forgiven and raised back to life with him when we die. So if you want a relationship with him, I'd love for you to pray with me in just a minute. But everybody, I pray this has been an encouragement. Don't let it be a slap on the wrist. Man, I'm just, I'll keep saying it. I just think God has better for us. He's got better for us than all the things that we've maybe grown up to in this Long Island culture. And I don't think we have to keep introducing ourselves as busy. I think we could start saying, well, here's where I'm at. But thankfully, my schedule's changing because I'm realizing I have more say in it than I realized that I did. I got more say over a device than I realized that I did. Your schedule is spiritual. Let's pray. God, here we are, just uh, busy people, man. Long Island culture is nuts. It's crazy, and it's um, really what most of us have grown up in, and I just pray for your help, Lord. We ask for your help. I pray, God, for people who are already really doing great with this. I, I thank you for them. I thank you for people who are not ridiculously busy for people who have margin in their life. I thank you um, even for those that I referenced in the crowd who um, are retired and have made themselves busy but doing the Lord's work. I thank you for my friend here in, in the second or third row who has told me she's, she's out there doing your work. She's busy, but she's busy focused on the one thing. And I thank you for the others that she represents here in the church, God. 
But God, our heart is to minimize the many things and focus on the few things and really the one thing. So help us, God. So can we pray about this for a minute? Would you say just quietly to God, God, what do I have to put on my stop doing list? Would you pray and say, God, would you help me to be the master of my device and not allow my device to be my master? Would you say, God, help me to focus on the few things, the few relationships, where only I can be dad or mom or brother or sister or daughter or son grandparent or friend. God, let those few things, those few relationships be rich. And God, the the one thing, the one thing, sitting at your feet, like Mary, unhurried, pushing aside busyness and distraction, to hear you, to speak to you, to grow in love, to hang on every word, that you say. Guys, pray a blessing of rest over everyone, of peace over everyone. I pray, Jesus, that a year from now, Living Word Church will be a bunch of people who are worried about the few things and the one thing. Help us, God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me. If you want to put your trust in Jesus, you can just say, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you that you care about the big stuff. You care about salvation. You care about my eternity. You care about forgiveness of sins, but you care about tomorrow. You care about Tuesday. You care about my schedule. You care about how busy I am. You care that I get rest and sleep, that I have rich relationships, and that I know you. So help us, God. Thank you for this gift of salvation.